Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We talk some USC football, kind of re-wrap up the spring game. We talked with Coach Harvey Hyde on Sunday. Today we're going to talk with Dan Weber, answering all of your questions about this USC football team here on the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text. The number is 424 424- That's 424-254-9141. We got a voicemail for you today. We got some texts. We got a lot of emails. And we got a lot to talk about with Dan Weber. What is up, Dan? How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. We got a nice little couple of days break between the end of uh, spring practice and the uh, beginning of the uh, Todd McNair uh, trial against the NCAA. So it works out perfectly. Yeah, it's it's kind of a tight little window here it's funny the way that worked out and uh I, I, we could talk about the end but we might as well we can mention it now so dan and keely will be out uh downtown los angeles pretty much every day starting on wednesday for the uh, todd mcnair defamation lawsuit uh, against the ncaa waiting what seven years for this to, to get going Dan? <laughs> almost seven years yeah since june of uh, 2011 and june of 2010 is when the ncaa came down with uh you know, with their decision and, uh, you know, putting Todd in a, in a pretty difficult spot. And then the, uh, then there was the appeal in the next, uh, you know, half a year or so. And then, uh, and then the lawsuit and, um, yeah, you know, it's just unbelievable how much stuff has happened to try to avoid getting to this moment. So I guess just getting to this moment is pretty much of a victory for Todd and his attorneys uh, to just when you look at all the things that the NCAA is thrown in, you know, in the way of ever having to, you know, come to court and answer for what they did. And now uh, as of tomorrow, they got to be there. And, uh, and that's a good thing. So uh, before we jump into everything, a couple announcements here to make. Um, want to let everyone know, everybody know, if you're here in Los Angeles or you wanna, you're want to, you going to be here uh, Monday, April 23rd, it will be USC night at Chavez Ravine, uh, Dodger Stadium. So Monday, April 23rd, 7, 10 p.m., uh, the Dodgers will be hosting the Miami Marlins. Um, and you know, it's USC night. If you buy a ticket, you go to uh, dodgers.com slash USC. Um, there's a free Dodgers USC t-shirt that will get included with your ticket. Um, so it's exclusive. They call it an exclusive Dodgers slash USC t-shirt. And they've got a bunch of different options as far as, um, where you want to sit and all of that. And they're different tiered prices, but you get the t-shirt no matter what. And, uh, our crew will be there. So uh, I believe it's going to be me, Dan Keeley and, uh, Chris Trevino. I think shotgun is not going to be able to go. And I think Gerard is not going to be able to go slash doesn't want to go. <laughs> He's not a big yeah. baseball guy, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun night. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad Shotgun hates baseball. That's his thing, you know. Now, he's probably got four other baseball games already that day. So, 
Yeah, I think he's so working anyway. at the LA Times <laughs> that night or something. And uh, it's it's like the after Coachella, so there's people that are already gone. He can't get the ticket. But yeah, Shotgun loves baseball and unfortunately won't be able to go to this. But most of our crew will be there, so hopefully you can see us and uh, come say hi. But go to yeah, dodgers.com slash USC uh, for all the information there. So it should be cool. Uh, and also, good. Yep. Uh, I was on campus. And if yes. you can't oh. watch the Dodgers on television, you could at least go to a game or so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in, in person. So, uh, <laughs> so we're making up for the uh, television uh, uh, deficiency here. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we're trying to do. Help you help you guys out. So yeah, go go check it out if you haven't been to a game yet. I've not gone to a game yet this year, so uh, I'm certainly going to go. Well, it'll be a fun time. Go check it out. Um, and also, I was on campus yesterday, so I'm my 25th. Uh, reunion from USC. It graduated in 1993 is uh, this year. And I'm actually on the um, committee. Uh, the, I'm the co- chairman for the outreach committee. So I have to go out and reach out to all my fellow classmates of 93 and try to get them to come to the reunion, which is uh, for homecoming, uh, the Cal game. But we uh, we had a meeting on campus and then they gave us, one of the students gave us a tour of the the village, uh, the USC village over there and, and the highlight as soon as, so I've been there obviously, cause we've had events there, but all the other alumni who most of them hadn't been on campus for years. Um, when they saw that there was Trader Joe's, that was the <laughs> big thing that was like, there's Trader Joe's. So that was like, the, it was funny that that was the highlight. Um, and I told, so well, I, I told them back like, in yeah. the day, you really had to hustle to find a place to go, to go shopping. Uh, you know, for those guys, uh, you, obviously, everybody, uh, there just wasn't a place like that. It was, you know, it just, it didn't exist. No, there was this old 32nd Street market that was terrible. Everyone was kind of swapping their stories of what they remember. And, uh, but so all the cool stuff and there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, but the, the Trader Joe's was the highlight. So we're, we're, you know, we're very proud of our, uh, partnership with Trader Joe's and it was just funny yesterday when that came up and I could tell everybody like yeah we did an event here and they got all this going on and they couldn't believe that there's the and even the student that was giving us the tour said I forget which resident college it was but the, the whatever the resident hall above Trader Joe's he said that's the most popular one because you're right above the Trader Joe's so uh, wow. I thought that was pretty cool so it's very yeah. popular there on campus so if you you know if, next time you go to USC you definitely have to go check that out. Yeah, it's cool. I, mean, I remember walking in there the last time, and 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 we met with the manager, and, and you know now the manager recognizes us, you know, and <laughs> waves and all that. And that's that's like that's really cool. They're just nice people. It's it's good to be uh, you know involved with them. Yeah, when you when we Dan and I end up having lunch with the president of Trader Joe's, and he's wearing the same. You know, Hawaiian shirt that the the cashier way you know wears and stuff. So it's it's a really neat company. So definitely go check it out. And we're we're really happy to be uh, have them sponsor the Peristyle podcast. So thanks to all those guys. And make sure you go check out your Trader Joe's. Um, all right, we got to talk about the spring game. Uh, if you weren't be able to, if you weren't able to be there, you might have been able to watch it on television. Uh, Yogi Roth, our buddy, was one of the uh, commentators there. And our first question. Uh, it was on the Pac-12 network. Uh, Marcellus in Las Vegas had kind of a little shot. And then a question, he said, I don't know about you guys, but I agree with Yogi. That was the greatest spring practice talent showcase in the history of college football. So he's got a little tongue in cheek there. For next year, I'm dreaming of a battle rap between Yogi and Petros. Make it happen, Ryan. I'll see what I can do, mm-hmm. Marcellus. So he said, my actual question, uh, what do you and Dan think about Yogi's more modest observations like, 
USC has national championship, a, a national championship defense and the best offensive line at USC in 10 years. Uh, what do you think about that? You know what? Uh, the offensive line looks better. I mean, I think they've learned from last year. I know last year was a, a, a stay in place at best, and maybe, you know, I thought they should have taken some steps forward last year, even though they lost, you know, some of the big big guys. Um, but um, but they didn't, and they, they didn't take advantage of, you know, more athleticism and, um, you know, quickness and stuff like that. I think they look like they're, they're moving in the right direction. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to go back, you know, 10 years and say, you know, the most, um, you know, the potential, the best offensive line in the last 10 years. Well, I'd have to think about that. That's, that's, uh, I'm, that's interesting that, that Yogi said that. Uh, huh. Wow. Okay. He was well, pretty optimistic. Yeah. Like I've only watched the first hour and then it cut off. Uh, I did. I recorded the Pac-12 Network, which only gave me an hour. So I went back and recorded the Pac-12 LA Network one, which I think was like a two-hour broadcast. I haven't watched the second half of it yet. But in the first half, Yogi was pretty. I would say pretty optimistic. You know, that's the way Yogi is. Yeah, I mean, and 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 we talk to him when he when he comes to practice and he asks all the you know questions and he's interested and. He's an upbeat, upbeat guy, and and you know I I think I tend to be that way. Um, I you know Ryan has been around <laughs> more years than I have, you know, and and starting in um, you know when he was a student here, so he may have seen more downtime uh, than I <laughs> than I did. I got here for the 2002 team, and I was the voice of optimism, saying how bad could they be? Carson Palmer, Troy Polamalu, Mike Williams. And everybody else is telling me, oh, they're going to be bad. They're terrible. And nobody knows how to coach them, blah, 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 blah. So the optimism kind of, you know, carried me, me through there. And, and I think I can see, you know, Yogi with the, uh, with the kind of optimistic take. I mean, I, I don't know that we had that optimistic a take through some of, uh, you know, spring practice. But I thought they showed up uh, the last two Saturdays. I mean, these are the two when they they actually hit, they let them hit, and uh, you know this team looks good when they let them hit, and that's what we found out last year. For example, in uh, the first couple of weeks, they had five weeks of preseason. First couple of weeks, they looked pretty good, and they're fundamental and they're physical, and they're you know installing the you know the offense and trying to get everybody on the same page on defense. And then they get into specific, let's get ready for this game. And they were really trying to figure out what's Western Michigan going to do, a new coach. And he was at this place, and they did this, but then Western Michigan did that. And, and it, it got to be very much a, a, you know, kind of a classroom approach uh, or an NFL approach to uh, – to the Western Michigan game to get the season started. Um, but then they got back in the swing of things and, and, and they really got physical and got after it with, um, with Stanford. And then it kind of went, went the other direction much of the year where it, it looked like week to week to week, they weren't able to maintain that physicality and that fundamental basic, you know, let's, let's get after things. I think that was the thing that was attractive about, about Saturday was that the offense, and that's what we're looking at. We think the defense 
once they turn them loose, it's going to be, and, and whenever they do turn them loose, they're going to be fine. They've got a lot of athletes. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of depth, a lot of speed. Uh, they got guys that will hit you. Uh, and I'm not even worried about the defense in terms of, of, of hitting in practice. I just think they've got the kind of athletes who will. What we saw was an offense that was focused and physical and vanilla, as they say, as um, Matt Fink said, but they did the things they did well. They did, you know, the rollouts and uh, uh, putting pressure on the defense with, uh, you know, the quarterbacks who, who are quick and can run, can turn upfield. They did a lot of play action, and they did a lot of running the ball with uh, Aka Cedric Ware and, and, and Vavai Malapai, who have had just great spring. Um, so I think we were, you know, very positive about, uh, maybe not, you know, the best in 10 years or whatever with the offensive line. But I think it can all go together well. We hadn't seen them do that all spring. I mean, that was the, the issue. They were, you know, really working hard on, on getting them comfortable, uh, the two quarterbacks comfortable in the pocket. And it just, it was a tough, you know, tough thing to do. That It just, it didn't seem to happen um, where they, you know, drop, drop and get in the, get into the pocket and, and be able to find the wide receivers uh, downfield at any great distance. But, uh, but what they did in throwing the ball to the, you know, the tight ends quick uh, and throwing the ball to the uh, running backs. Uh, uh, you like everything about what we saw, except for the fact that you've got some pretty good wide receivers on this team. And if they go that route, uh, uh what happens to the wide receivers as part of the offense. And that's something you really got to think about how, how would you redo the offense that, that, you know, you're going to have the quarterbacks rolling out and running play action. How do you factor in the wide receivers there? Or do you keep it where it is and you figure JT Daniels will be able to get the ball to the wide receivers down the field? Uh, that's, you know, there's some significant questions that still have to be answered, and we can't possibly answer them until uh, till we get into, you know, August, really. I mean, you know, we're going to see them 13 times, apparently, or they're going to practice 13 times. Uh, not practice, it's player-run practices, yeah. throwing sessions um, in June and July. And we'll probably have some idea there. I mean, let's face it. Uh, three years ago, was it, uh, the first throwing a summer, uh, player run practice throwing session where, um, uh, Sam Darnold showed up with, uh, Ricky town and it was obvious what was going to happen as far as those two were concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ricky, Ricky had been here in, in spring, Sam hadn't, so we hadn't seen Sam up close and like day one, it was, Oh, wow. Oh, Okay. Well, we know where that's going, and, and, you know, within, you know, a couple of months, Ricky was transferred out, and uh, and everybody knew, you know, Sam was pretty much the real deal. It was just a matter of when. Uh, how does that play out in terms of the uh, JT Daniels scenario? I don't know in terms of is it inevitable? Is it, you know, is it just a matter of when or or what? Um, but uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. I mean, this is one of those we say always at USC 
football. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, this summer. Stay tuned. It will be interesting. One of the most interesting in a while because everyone's anticipating JT Daniels arriving. Um, you were talking about the offense. Tark had a quick one. Do you think the tight ends will be used more in the offense this year? They sure say, you know, they've said it. And the fact that they actually did it, uh, it makes so much sense. I mean, they hit a really good day from the tight ends without Daniel Amato, baby, and Tyler Petit. Both of them were, were out Saturday. So you're just, you're dealing with uh, Josh Fowler and uh, Eric Kromenhoek. So you just have two of your guys. And, and, and whether you go, you know, whatever depth chart, it's probably your number three and your number four guys. So if you put the number one and two guys in there, if they don't throw to the tight ends, you know, you just, yeah, I'm, somebody else should be calling the plays or somebody else should be running the program. They got to throw the ball to the tight end. Got to, got to, got to. And uh, it, it works with everything they're doing and it makes sense for their, you know, the quarterbacks that they have. We have one from okay. Well, I got to mention this too. Uh, Earl in West LA. Thank you, Earl. Got I know you got to meet him the other day. I got to meet him as well uh, when I was walking out of the spring game or the spring showcase or whatever. He came say, said hi and we walked together for a while, and then we ran into uh, I believe his name was Chris. Uh, he was in a wheelchair with uh, two of family members, and he wanted to meet wanted to meet me and said, hi, we took a picture and stuff. And I said, well, this is Earl in West LA and Earl was just as popular. <laughs> so we did that. And then, uh, we all took a picture together, which was fun. And then, uh, man, I forget her. Oh, there was another woman too, that her, I believe her and her husband, uh, we ran into them and chatted with them and they got to meet Earl too. So Earl was like the celebrity, Dan, uh, as we, as people were stopping to stop with, take pictures or whatever with me, they went, and once I said, Oh, this is Earl in West LA. They were like, Oh my God. So it was pretty funny, but that's, uh, well, I, by the way, Earl, Earl was at the, uh, Sam Darnold conversation last week too. So I, I've seen Earl about three times in the last, uh, 10 days. So that's great. They're a cool guy. And, uh, we love his questions, obviously. And uh, and it's great to to see uh, Earl around. I think Earl and his uh, Earl and his boss were there. It, they had a good time at the uh, Sam Darnold uh, conversation. But it's great, yeah, to run into guys who you know one way, then you get to you actually meet them and, and talk to them. And uh, it was it was great fun. Yeah, great dude. Um, so it was funny. Uh, but anyway, so he wrote in. I keep hearing about the great spring Jonathan Lockett has had filling in for Jack Jones at corner. Do you think that Lockett can beat Jones for the starting job, or will competition from Lockett make Jones mature into a better player? And does a spring game with tackling really make a difference? I see where Cal and Utah have real spring games, but USC, which doesn't, has a winning record against both schools. Perhaps what really counts is what you do in the fall. What are your thoughts, Earl in West L.A.? Hey, uh, Earl, I think both. I mean, I think, he, you know, I think Jack is – it's a different uh, group when Jack's not there. There there was a little bit of a devil may care. Maybe I'll do it and maybe I won't do it attitude uh, that I, I didn't think it was that good for the, the team cohesiveness and chemistry and whatever. And we're not seeing that at all in the spring. And we're seeing, you know, guys really getting coached up. We're seeing guys that really want to get coached up and they want to work on details and they want to work on technique. And, you know, there's none of this. Well, maybe I'll, Oh, what did you say? I didn't hear you, but no. So I think Jack's got some, 
catching up to do. And Jonathan just, I mean, he's a player. And we, we forgot what kind of athlete he was. And he got kind of thrown in there. He was a two-way guy at modern day, really good ball skills. But uh, uh, probably with injuries and that, he was on the field maybe sooner than he should have been. And he misses last year with the, the double hip surgery. But he's come back, worked real hard on his upper body. He's got, you know, he's 185 pounds, a nice size for corner. And he's got those ball skills, and he's got that senior, you know, fifth-year senior attitude. Uh, I think he's going to make, make life uh, interesting and difficult, uh, you know, for Jack, which is good. I think that'll be good for Jack. Uh, but um, but I, I think we're just going to let that one play out and see how see how it goes. But, um, you know, I think, you, you know, you feel good if, if, uh, if Jonathan is your, is your corner. Uh, and it's good, great to have that kind of experience to, you know, real veteran senior corners with, uh, with what we're seeing out of Biggie Marshall uh, this spring. Second part of that is, yeah, I get the sense from what we've seen of this defense, they will hit you. And they probably do not need to be taking people down uh, in practice. I have a whole different feeling about the offense. I think, you know, the offense has to play full scale, full out physical to get to where they need to get. I don't need, I don't think the defense is in that same place. I mean, let's face it, that defense pretty much shut down Ohio State. I know Ohio State had the lead, didn't need to do as much. So, so there was that, but uh, this is a defense that, you know, last year, even they're number four in the nation in the red zone and they're number 68 overall. They just seem to, and they give up what 13, uh, 40 yard plays or more. Um, so I think the mental, uh, you know, being mentally into the game and the communication and all that, I think is real important for this defense. But uh, but I think I don't know that this defense has to actually go out and tackle people in the spring game. And you absolutely could not um, in the conditions at, um, at at Cromwell Field. They're just not enough. It's it, it, you know the you know high jump pits and you know triple jump long all those pits and that are are so close uh, to the sidelines that it just uh, it, it probably wouldn't have been a real really smart thing to do. Um, now, whether they should have been able to come up with another place to play the spring game is another question. Yes. But once it's there, uh, I think they did the right thing. And then I thought they hit, I thought that it was physical. I mean, I think they basically told the defense, just stay in vanilla. We're not going to put anything on, on video that our early opponents, uh, for next year can see. And, and I think that's probably a good thing. And, um, and and leave it at that. And, and that allowed, I think, the offense to get started a little bit. And that wasn't a bad thing either. So, so I, I didn't have high hopes when I got there Saturday, but I thought, I thought they got a lot out of it. I thought it was a worthwhile uh, Saturday that it didn't have to be. And, and, and maybe that's another sign of this team, uh, that these players seem to be you know, committed to making some good things happen. I mean, you, you see how much they rally around uh, Porter Gustin and Cameron Smith, those guys that they just want to, they want to get this done um, for them. And we're seeing things that maybe we didn't see uh, last year. And, and that's probably a good thing. Yeah. And I'd say Earl 
you want to compare USC to like Ohio State and Alabama, not Cal and Utah. So I would I would start with that first. But yeah, because um. usually they they're better. <laughs> they they've got better players, so they they beat those teams because they got better yeah. athletes and a whole right. lot more good athletes. They just do, and you know they they didn't beat them by much, <laughs> but uh, they're gonna win those. They just have to. I mean, you stop start losing those games. Um, yeah, but it's the, how do they take that next step up uh, to that handful uh, of teams? I think Georgia took a step up to that place. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's been trying. Um, you know, and LSU has been trying, and Auburn has been trying. You know, haven't gotten there. Texas say, says they want to try to do that. Washington wants to try to do that. But I think USC has to say we're going to be at that, you know, elite level. You recruit, you know, USC says we recruit to that elite level. Uh, now they've, they've got to play. they got to coach to it and, and play to it. We have uh, Joan. She wrote, she said, Joan from Ketchum, Idaho, soon to be living in L.A. again. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah, I'm packing my house. Just turned on ESPN. And, oh, my, I have the Clemson spring game on. Fifty to 60,000 people, am I crazy, or are we just losing revenue right and left by not having this kind of TV exposure? Not just great revenue, but national exposure. They have Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler announcing, what great exposure. USC is in the heart of media mania, and we have zero exposure. We are one of the greatest college franchises in history. Why do we not this kind have this kind of media following us? And what is wrong with this picture? It makes me sad. Fight on from Joan. I mean, I think it's a good point. USC's in a position, if they do anything where the media thinks USC is that story, they'll be there. But you got to, I mean, you got to overcome the Pac-12 and, and the, the negativity about the Pac-12, the negativity from the Pac-12. And you probably got to think outside the box that we don't see with the USC athletic program. I mean, I think there are people living in the past or living, you know, on the reputation and, you know, and, and right or wrong. Um, I don't remember any, uh, concessions, uh, on a 90 degree day Saturday, as I recall, I didn't see anybody selling water or, no. or anything. They were selling, they were selling solar panels. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Hey, if they could have made maybe they could have made a deal with Trader Joe's. Bring you know, come over, put up a little, uh, you know, as Trader Joe's would have liked to do something with us, uh, put up a little booth and and have water for everybody. We were going to do that. Uh, we were going to, like, they, when we talked, you know, uh, the president over there approved of, like, getting snacks and drinks we would give away for free. And USC turned us down. Yeah, see, that's where, is USC missing the boat? Absolutely. Does Clemson miss the boat on something like that? Absolutely not. Uh, and uh, now some coaches are more, uh, you know, spend time. Think, I think Davos when he probably spends a lot of time thinking about, you know, you're in Clemson, South Carolina, the whole town would fit inside your stadium. Uh, so what do you have to do? And they work hard at it. They really, really, really work at it. Uh, I don't know. Ohio state has to work all that hard and Alabama has to work all that hard. USC wouldn't have to work all that hard if they get the job done uh, on the field and, and show up every game where people don't have to say, are they going to, is this real or not? Is this, is USC worth investing 
uh, into this program. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, is held against USC right now is you're part of the Pac-12. And, and, and the whole Pac-12 is just, you know, being put down nationally as somebody that, you know, hasn't kept up in football and basketball. And, uh, and, and it's not worth, uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Valor coming out. But if USC ever displays that it is worth, they will be there. I mean, that's the, that's the advantage you've got at USC. You don't have to, once you do what, what convinces them, uh, they'll be there. Uh, but, uh, USC hasn't given them enough recently. I mean, the fact that that Rose Bowl, Kirk, Kirk Street probably said more good things about Sam Darnold than anybody he's ever, ever covered live in a game. And that USC wasn't able to build on that last year kind of, you know, it hurts. Yeah. Does it hurt the program? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clemson didn't take, you know, they, they lost to Sean Watson. They lost some, you know, really good players, but they came back at it hard and, um, and, and, and tried to maintain, you know, that elite, uh, that elite level. I think USC has to send out the signal that we're going to do everything we can, everything that's allowed, everything that you know we can to build on everything we've got here and i don't i don't see that happening right now and uh, they're missing some opportunities and joan you're you're exactly right uh, that's uh that's not a good thing all right let's uh we got a text question from b in the bay he said on the last episode dan said defensive back coach uh alan Bra- I mean, alan bradford oh my god ronnie bradford yeah. That's the wrong, wrong name, sorry. Uh, has possibly experienced more success lately because Jack Jones hasn't been around. If that's the case, this team is in a terrible position. If one kid can derail the coaching of an entire player group, that coach shouldn't be coaching or the player should be disciplined. A good coach won't let one kid, uh, let's remember these are young men and maturity issues can arise, disrupt the team. In addition, our D is supposed to be uh, the best uh be best man on the field with no subbing, right? If a player can't take to coaching, I'd argue he's not the best player, therefore a liability on the field. When you guys, uh, I'm sorry, when guys that we hear great things about can't see the field and guys that we hear concerning things about do, it all adds up to a BS system of grab bag coaching that this regime loves tormenting us with. Wow. Uh, B from the Bay with the text question and some heat. Yeah, B, um, yeah I, I mean, I, we just kind of tell you what we see and we're seeing Ronnie Bradford really take control of that group. We're also seeing Jack Jones isn't there. And we also saw last year, uh, not the same way of that group coming together with the coach. And, and I think it's a combination of, of people like Biggie Marshall and Marvell tell knowing what what's at stake this year and a Jenny hair and guys who grew up another year. And, and Ronnie Bradford, I think, grew up another year. So I think they all moved on uh, from last year, which was hit or miss and grab bag and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and we see them every day, and Jack Jones isn't part of that. Now, maybe if Jack Jones were part of that, we'd see Jack Jones growing with them. We'd see him putting behind, you know, some of the, uh, attitude, uh, you know, Jack is, he's a, you know, one of a kind personality, 
probably needs, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, coaching that, uh, you know, maybe not going to be the same exact coaching that everybody else gets. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I thought it was a challenge for those guys last year and they didn't get it all together and they did give up plays. They, you know, they shouldn't have given up and they did, you know, it really, I think hurt USC to have the, the bust that they had and the penalties that they had. And when you look at them now, I mean, they think they can be the number one secondary in the country. I think they've actually got a chance. I mean, there's a lot of talent, uh, veteran talent, uh, starter, you know, guys, you know, had lots and lots and lots of years of start, uh, starting experience and a ton of young talent behind them. Big, you know, big guys and, you know, guys that can run and, and, and a couple of the freshmen haven't gotten here yet. But, uh, but the secondary, I think, has is, is got a real chance. And it should have had a better year than they had last year. Last year should not have have been as difficult. I mean, they had, you know, they had the interceptions and they, they did some, some good things, but they got to do them every play, you know, every down. And, and we're seeing that in the spring and that's a really good thing. And Clay, uh, you know, says they're the best, the most improved, uh, you know, position on the team by far. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. My guess is I wish they wouldn't have to have improved as much because they had a lot to work with last year, but, uh, but they seem like they're coming around and I'll take that for the good thing that it is. And I won't look at it necessarily as saying, well, that means you guys were blah, blah, blah last year. Well, not much we can do about last year at this point. This is what you got to do is make this year as good as you can possibly make it. And I've, you know, I've been impressed to say the least with uh, where this group is. We had one from Jeremy. He said, I read that the offensive line injury woes from last season have carried over into the spring. I keep reading about this freshman and, and that freshman filling in. One name I haven't read about is former four-star and modern-day standout offensive lineman Frank Martin. What is his status, and why isn't uh, he being mentioned? Jeremy. Looks like, uh, yeah, a, a good question, because I started, no, I mean, he was much more noticeable uh the last, or certainly Saturday, I thought he's just, I, I don't know where exactly he's been, uh, but he looks like maybe, you know, we talk about that light switch going on, uh, that that's starting to happen, you know, for him. So he was, he was a factor in watching the, you know, the one-on-one pass rush, pass block and that, uh, he's, uh, so he's, I think you're going to see his name more and more. I mean, I don't think we always know which way to go with the name. They got a lot of guys with kind of similar experience and similar, you know, big body type guys that, uh, you know, aren't necessarily always where you want them to be at the time you want them to be there, but look like they can be. And uh, I think, you know, it's going to be a matter of, of who uh, who shows up, who's ready to play every play, uh, how do they handle the you know strength and conditioning uh, this summer, and uh, I would like to see a sense that those next line guys uh, like you know Frank Martin have a real feeling that you know if I come out and I'm ready to go in August, 
I'm going to have a chance at, at beating somebody out. I think that's the that's the key, and I want I want all those guys to have that sense of um, of that there's you know that nobody's uh, you know got a position that he's actually absolutely locked into, and that um, I think you know nothing but good can happen if that whole group of guys uh, that are you know you would currently talk about. I know Clay talks about the second and third team guys. I just like to open it up to all of those guys and say, look, we got every, you know, everything's open here. Just go get it. I thought uh, the two centers, the two freshman centers, Justin Dietrich and, uh, and Brett Nealon have risen to the, uh, the challenge in terms of um, having a spot where they're getting a lot of reps and, um, and whether Toa ends up at that spot or not. Uh, I think those guys have risen to the challenge, and now you want to see the rest of them just take those steps to say, you know, there's a spot for me, and I'm going to get there. And Frank Martin is one of those guys. Yeah. There really hasn't been much chatter about him, so it's a good question. Um, all right, we got a voicemail for you. Let me play this one, Dan. Hey, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. I was happy to hear Clay Helton talk about the defensive backs and the way they're focusing on the receiver's eyes. That means we shouldn't get DBs hit in the back of the head with balls and hit in the back with balls. We're going to turn when the receiver turns. But, fans, you must understand, if you're playing that kind of coverage with no safety help, a double move will kill you. A down, out, and up will kill us. Any kind of double move will kill us because we're going to look around on the first look. So we're depending on the blitz to get to the quarterback before receivers can get a double move. Now, I hope all of the fans in the Peristyle understand that when they see us get beat sometimes. It's going to happen. That's why you have to mix man with zone. Just saying. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Uh, uh, good point, Curtis. I think what they're trying to do is, and I don't know that they're they're working on either looking at the you know the quarterback or the ball in the quarterback's hands or the receiver's eyes or whatever. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any point in in working on the receiver's eyes until the receiver is starting to look for the ball. I mean, I don't. I I think what I like and what I've seen them do is to have the confidence that they can play the receiver tight and tough and that they're athletic enough to run with them. And that the focus, their first focus I think is going to be on their feet and that they're really working on, um, on, on being able to track these guys with their feet and, and just move and not having to grab them. Just, you, you're a good enough athlete, you're confident enough, and then the second thing they bring in is the eyes, and you, you're going to look at the quarterback, you know, you're going to look at the um, uh, receiver's eyes, and you're going to locate the ball. At that point, they want them to explode to the ball. They want them to be able to, that's when you bring your hands in, but, but not before that. And it's been a pleasure to watch them just use their athleticism because they, they very often were caught standing or caught looking or caught wanting to come up and make a tackle and play action would get them. I don't see that as much. I see them doing, you know, where they're more mirror imaging 
receivers and running with them and knowing that, you know, if you do everything right, a double move won't necessarily take you out of the play. If you're really, um, if you're really moving and if you're really focusing and if you're really paying attention uh, and not just kind of stuck in the mud, which last year you'd see guys that sort of get caught in the middle uh, and not knowing. And that's when they would, they'd get, get left behind. We're not seeing that as much at all. Uh, it's not as big a worry. I know they put a little more pressure. Clancy's defenses are going to put a little more pressure on the corners and uh, they're not going to have the help. And, uh, I think these guys are, are, are athletic enough to be able to make that work. Uh, and I think they feel uh, comfortable that, that they can make it work. Uh, but the approach is, I, I just, I like it a lot better this year. I just think the, the way they're coaching them and the way the players are responding and, and, and the ability to see the athleticism that these guys have, um, they're not being careless. They're not trying to make a play before it happens. Uh, they're not worried if a guy gets a half a step on them because I think they believe uh, that they can play right with them and stay with them. And then when the ball gets there, I mean, you're right. A lot of times they, the ball got there and they didn't know where the ball was. That would make you a little panicky. I think this year they're really working on the, on the turn moves and the, uh, and the control of their body so that they're still able to give a, uh, you know, give a look to the ball. And again, that would be played off of looking at the receiver's eyes and being able to tell when he sees the ball coming. So there's a lot going on there. And that's why I think you really have to coach it up and you really ought to have to get uh, players who are paying really good attention. But when you watch them do their drills every day, I think they're really getting it. All right, we got a couple more uh, about quarterbacks. We'll go to SC Less in Seattle. This is Reggie. He said, I heard Dan suggest that USC should run their quarterbacks more. USC recruits pass-first quarterbacks, and their objective in the spring is to develop them as passers first. The current guys have the ability to be competent passers, but that will take work, which is what they are doing now. If USC wants to run their quarterbacks like the UCF team he mentioned, uh, they would recruit run-first quarterbacks, wouldn't they? Dan is suggesting that USC change the offense completely. They have said that they will not be doing that, and and as you then have to change everything around that offense, from the type of receivers, offensive line, etc., and what what of the stud-wide receivers USC is used to recruiting? Should we just abandon them? SC less in Seattle, Reggie. Well, I mean, when you look at the two quarterbacks, it would be you'd be hard-pressed to say they're pass-first quarterbacks. I mean, you know, uh, I don't think Matt think in any world anybody thought he was a pass first quarterback coming out of high school. I think with Jack Sears, I think people, you know, knew that he was able to throw the ball in high school uh, at the, and I don't even know what the, what the classification that, you know, San Clemente was, uh, but that he was a really, really good athlete with great ability to take off and fly. And so, as much as you know, you would say, well, USC recruits pass first quarterbacks. They didn't exactly with those two. So now you've got, you know, as the two holdovers uh, battling it out in the spring, two guys who really do take off with the football well, and and they put pressure on uh, 
uh, defense is to decide what are they going to do. They get outside quickly. Uh, you, when you roll them out, that, that uh, allows them to turn up the field and see the field. It allows them to make the quicker, shorter throws. And my, my thinking is, if those are your quarterbacks, uh, what you did like sat, Saturday when you played to their strengths, I think was a good thing. Uh, I don't disagree that you, you got to try to figure out uh, how they're going to handle the drop back game and how they're going to handle the more sophisticated down the field passing attack. Um, because again, you're right. We got USC's got really good uh, top notch uh, at the very top end uh, wide receivers. Uh, yeah, you don't want to give up on, on going that way, but, uh, but with a run first attack and the play action, I just think the rollout game and throwing the ball to the tight ends and the running backs, it all kind of goes together fairly well. And if JT Daniels isn't the guy to come in and be able to make those down, down the field throws, uh, I think you got to really think about going with these guys' strengths. I don't know that it's totally changing the offense. I mean, we see some of those rollout, you know, passes to the tight end and you realize they say they've had that in there ever since, you know, Pete Carroll's team's, you know, started every game with that, with that play. And that was fine with me. I'm, I'm fine with that. And, uh, you know, Carson Palmer and, and, um, uh, Matt Leiner did a pretty good job running some of that kind of stuff, even though you weren't going to run either one of those guys. But, uh, but I think there are elements of that offense that I think work well. Uh, for this offense. I just really like the idea of putting pressure on the defense with a quarterback who can get out to the edge really quickly and a quarterback who can, um, you know, take advantage of play action and, and, and bootlegs and uh, get out there one-on-one and, and, and see the field. And, and it looks like they see the field much better when they're rolling out and, and turning their shoulders upfield uh, rather than dropping back in the pocket. So, yeah, I mean, it's not exactly the classic uh, uh, what USC has done and wouldn't necessarily be what you would do with JT Daniels. But I think, you know, I just think you got to do what your guys do, and that's what they do. Speaking of JT Daniels, uh, I can't believe we really haven't had a question that had him in it, I don't believe. Maybe I missed one. I'm sorry, you know. Well, they're all kind of mixed together in my mind after a while. But Jason yeah. in Longhorn Country, because we have lots of conversations. It's not just here. So we're talking about this all the time. Um, he said, at risk at being asked to walk the plank by the Orange County faithful, I'm not so sure that JT Daniels will be the savior that everyone thinks he will be. Uh-oh, this could be trouble. He looks like he has the potential to be great. But after watching his highlights, I see a lot of problems and bad habits that plagued Sam last season. He seems to throw the ball off his back foot a lot. He doesn't have a very active he doesn't have very active feet in the pocket and he just seems to kind of throw the ball up for grabs. A lot of these balls were completed because he had far superior receivers at modern day. Uh, that said, he will be facing much better DBs with much better ball skills in college, which would turn a lot of those touchdowns and interceptions. Anyways, uh, he has the makings of a future star, but I just don't see how he will have corrected these issues in 25 fall practices. Uh, I'd be interested to get your thoughts, Jason and Longhorn Country. What do you think, Dan? 
Yeah, Jason, I, you may get a chance to see uh, week three, uh, uh, whether your uh, your analysis is correct or not. I really like uh, 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 JT's feet. I think his feet are, are terrific. I, I, I like his his movement in the pocket, his movement up. Dan loves mo- watching feet, so I trust Dan. When Dan talks about feet, I trust him. Yeah, Dan, uh, I've always, you know, ever <laughs> since I was a coach and we were, you know, you had to figure out, what to do with the freshman team and who, who you wanted and all that, how, how that would work. You got to look at their feet and their feet really tell you a lot. I think his, I think he's got really good feet, light, quick, uh, uh, good bounce, uh, good judgment on, uh, on where the seam is and how to step by people. And, and, and his eyes, uh, down the field are, 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 are fantastic. I mean, I just think, I think one other thing that, uh, he did so well. If you watch his highlight film, uh, a lot of those passes, you're correct. Their uh, defensive backs are fairly close, and he's throwing them into narrow windows. But the thing he keeps doing is he keeps throwing them perfectly into these narrow windows. That's not by accident. He can do that. That's a special skill. There aren't many people that can do that. I mean, Talking to people who know him really well and see him all the time, they will tell you, I mean, mean, for example, somebody who knows really well says uh, Sam Darnold could be the number one overall draft pick out of college this year. There are some things that JT Daniels does right now better than Sam Darnold. He said, crazy, huh? Yeah, crazy. You just don't hear that kind of stuff um, about, I mean, people who know him, you know, I mean, Clay said the other day after after Saturday's practice, he said he, he's the smartest kid he's ever been around as far as football. An absolute photographic memory, the kind of ability to, analyze uh you know the playbook he has that knack because you watch him and you think at times why did he throw that ball that guy didn't look like he was going to be open and he did he threw it quick and he threw it to exactly the right spot and the guy got there so the other thing is you're doing is you know you're still a high school offense i mean you're playing some really good high school programs and nobody, you know, could stay with him, obviously. And, he, you know, he, he, he's getting some pressure, but made a pretty good offensive line. I just watch his, just his basic skill set. I just think he moves. He, he just seems to know what's going to happen and what he has to do uh, to make it happen. But, uh, but I, I like his feet. I like his arm. I like his anticipation. Uh, he throws a really catchable ball. Uh, and most people who, who, who really, really know JT think there's no question he's going to do special things in college. Sam Darnold said that, going to do special things. He's, a, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, it's just a matter of when. Uh, I think it's a matter of when. I, I, I don't think – I'm not as uh, negative on, on, on him at all. Uh, I just think you have to say – you know, when does it happen? And it's not a, if it was a, 
not a front-loaded schedule. It might be might be an easier answer, but obviously the fact that you go on the road to uh, to Stanford and uh, and and Texas in weeks two and three uh, complicates the uh, the whole situation. Um, and and the fact that the quarterbacks you know had pretty nice day on Saturday makes it a little bit more interesting as well going forward. But I'm not sure anybody ought to probably be talking negative about, you know, this kid. I think he's he's pretty special. He showed that in the all-star game. I mean, you had the two like highest rated quarterbacks, the two kids out of Georgia that we'd ever, you know, seen in recent years. And I, I don't think anybody who watched that game or probably watched his practices would have any thought that, that JT didn't outperform him, that he was just more, uh, you know, in control, more competent, more, uh, you know, had more ability to handle the uh, pressure and the situation. And uh, he, he, he looks different. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, it's a challenge. The 25 practices, <clears throat> I think there's a reason why Clay made it clear that they're getting 13 player run practices this summer and how important that was. We've never had a USC head coach ever ever talk to us about player run practices before. So they know, I think, what's what's uh, you know riding on, on this. But um, but I I give him a chance. I wouldn't I would not overcommit uh, to the negative side at, at this point in time. All right, Dan Weber, uh, doing a great job. We're looking forward to getting your updates from downtown LA for this uh, McNair. Uh, defamation lawsuit against the hated NCAA. It's finally here after all these years. So uh, we'll be bated breath waiting on that one, Dan. Can't wait. It'd be interesting tomorrow. I would guess if you show up in Cardinal and Gold, and if you've ever been to a college football game in Los Angeles, you may have to fight to get on that jury. Because I'm just thinking there may be somebody, one of those NCAA attorneys who say, I don't think we want that guy on the jury. Just a guess. Uh, that might be if you don't want to be at the trial, show up in Cardinal and Gold and give that fight on so- sign uh, as you get into the jury box. And, and you probably will get to watch uh, watch the trial from home. <laughs> yeah, I know there's USC fans who are tweeting us asking about, uh, you know, people want to go watch and all this stuff. So uh, it should be interesting. So looking forward to the reports. That's Dan Weber. Uh, make sure you check out all his stuff up at uscfootball.com. I'm Ryan Abraham, host here at the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.